In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Here, as at the seminary of the Institute of Christ the King, in all our churches throughout the world, and in all your houses, the decorations leave no doubt that we are still celebrating Christmas. We celebrate Christmas for 40 days, from our Savior's birth in Bethlehem until his presentation in the temple in Jerusalem, after which he takes his leave of us in a certain sense to enter his hidden life in Nazareth. We shall encounter him again during the 40 days of Lent, where we shall find him grown up and about his public ministry. At the end of that period, he takes his leave of us again, laying down his life for us on the cross and descending among the dead. But he will rise again and overjoy us with his presence yet another 40 days before he ascends to the Father. And he will not leave us orphans. He will send the Consoler, the Spirit of Truth, to dwell within us until the close of the church year and the end of all time. If the Church, following the tradition of our first fathers in the faith, has arranged her calendar thus, it is to proclaim to all peoples, from now until the consummation of the world, the fundamental truth of our religion. Emmanuel, God is with us. St. Thomas, echoing the Psalms, as he praises the mystery of the Eucharist, exclaims, No people has a God who is close to them, as our God is close to us. Any teacher out there among you knows what a special joy it is in life to teach a subject that you love. And this year at the seminary, I had a special joy in teaching a subject I love very much, the Greek church fathers of the fourth century. The fourth century is known as the golden age of the fathers. A new eloquence flourished among the small number of shepherds who remained faithful and urgently took up their pen to combat the great menace that arose. The church, having just emerged from the catacombs, was suddenly beset by an enemy far more ferocious than any lions in the Colosseum. The heresy of Arianism was on the march. The vast majority of the faithful were not seduced by this frightening new teaching, which ran so contrary to the gospel they had received on their mother's knee. But those entrusted with the care of their souls, the church hierarchy, and the civil authorities along with them, seemed by the middle of the century to embrace this false gospel almost unanimously. The wisest and holiest of minds knew immediately what was at stake. The end result of this heresy would be the same as for all heresies. All attempts to destroy the mystery of God's truth and subject it to the feeble reasonings of men's minds. A new truth would be proclaimed, one which was not new at all, 
but as old as the words of the deceiver in the garden. God is far from us. If Jesus Christ is not God, then God has never been among us. The Arians were so concerned with preserving the sovereignty of Almighty God that they were not content to deny Christ's divinity. They even thought it was dangerous to call God Father. Better to call him the uncreated one, the unbegotten one. Mohammed would have nothing to add when he created his new religion three centuries later. The Aryan crisis, that great battle which engulfed the fourth century and to which the great Athanasius devoted every ounce of his being, was not some petty conflict over Greek vocabulary. To be sure, that's all it was to the forces of the world. The Roman state, which had only lately ended its program to exterminate the Christians, now wanted them as a force for peace and stability in the decaying empire. Why bother over the details of the mystery of God and the nature of Christ? Agree on some ambiguous term that offends no one, that says Christ is more or less like God, and call it a day. As the great Russian apologist Vladimir Soloviev would point out one day, we could hardly expect the government to act otherwise. All the heresies of the 4th and 5th centuries were popular in the imperial court. The end game was always the same. Say that God has no eternal son, that it's just a manner of speaking. Say that God does have a son, but that son is a mere creature and not God. Say the eternal son is God, but Christ was just a man, a different person altogether who had a profound relationship with the Eternal Son. Or say that Christ was indeed God, but his manhood was just an image or an illusion. The result of all these opposing heresies was the same. God has never been truly among us. All that matters here and now is the one power that is truly among us, the state. If this great battle waged by the Church Fathers has no meaning to us, then we can never understand what it truly means to be pro-life. We are God's children by adoption because Jesus is God's Son by nature. The Father has known and loved him from all eternity by the mutual love which is the Holy Spirit. And God is truly among us, with us, one of us, because that eternal and divine Son became man. Because of Jesus, we know we have a Father who loves us. How often in our prayers do we take the time to reflect on this most important of all truths? God is not just your creator. He is your father. The church fathers knew this truth. That is why they have handed down to us a sacred liturgy in which we pray always to the Father 
through the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because of Christ, you can turn to your Father at any time, share with Him your joys, lay upon Him all your sorrows. He is waiting for you. What use are the modern ideologies that speak of a brotherhood of man? There can be no brotherhood among men without the fatherhood of God. If we deny the blessed Trinity, then God is by all means the source of all being, the first cause of the universe. But he is no loving father, and there is no love among men. We are all nothing more than evolved life forms, and we are all dispensable, including the smallest and frailest among us. Courts and legislatures will do as they please this election year. We don't have to wait for abortion to be illegal to make abortion unthinkable. The greatest pro-life message we can send to women is, you are a child of God, and so is the child within you. A world of strong, loving fathers is a world without abortion. A world filled with the awareness of God's fatherhood is a world filled with such fathers and loving mothers, children reared in the faith, chaste courtships among young men and women, strong marriages, and religious vocations. In this new year of grace, let us not be overcome by evil, by the hopelessness of a world that does not know its Father. Let us overcome evil by good. Let us proclaim to all we meet the truth that all lives matter because we are all God's children brought into this world from the moment of our conception in view of an eternal life, where we shall contemplate in unending bliss the love of our Father, the love that makes us partakers of the very life of the Holy Trinity and undivided unity. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, to whom be all honor and glory unto ages of ages. Amen.